0: All right, if you would, open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18 will be in verses 15 uh, to 22 tonight. One of the things that the Old Testament does to prepare us for knowing who Jesus is, is that it it tells us that Jesus is going to fulfill three different offices, that he's going to be a priest, a king, and a prophet. And so tonight, in Deuteronomy 18, we are seeing one of the premier texts where uh, Moses is saying that the, the great prophet to come, that the Lord will be sending him. And we know that, as I'll show you, this is leading up to Jesus. Um, so with that in mind, let's read Deuteronomy verse 18, verses 15-22. through 22. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, From among you, from your brothers, it is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at at Mount Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know that the word that the Lord has not how may, excuse me, how may we know of the word that the Lord has not spoken when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord? If that word does not come to pass or does not come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Let's pray and ask the Lord for help. Father, you have always been the speaking God. Speaking all things into existence and speaking to your creation. And as we're going to see tonight, uh, most declaratively speaking through your son. And Father, we're asking that by the Spirit who gives us the ears to hear you speaking, that we would tune our ears to your voice, to your word. And as we do, that we might come alive. And we might see you and your glory and your beauty and the gospel that saves anyone. Anyone who would believe. And so we ask that we would see Jesus tonight as he speaks to us. Lord Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. There's a story told of Franklin Roosevelt, who uh, would often speak to big groups of people. And uh, what would happen after he would speak is that a lot of people would try to come up to him afterward and and say various things to him. And actually, one of the things is that he would complain about those times, saying that no one would really pay attention to what he had to say afterward. So one day during a reception, he decided to try an experiment. And... After he had spoke and he got down on the floor and people were coming up, to him after, coming up to him afterward, each person who came up to him, he would shake their hand and here's what he'd tell them. I murdered my grandmother this morning. So each person who would come up to him and he would just say that, I murdered my grandmother this morning. I mur- murdered my grandmother this morning. And here's how people would respond. They would respond in phrases like, marvelous. Keep up the good work. We're so proud of you. God bless you, sir. It was not till the very end of the line that while greeting the ambassador from Bolivia, that his words were actually heard, and the ambassador leaned over and whispered this, I'm sure she had it coming. (laughs) Uh, We often fail to listen very well in today's culture. Uh, We live in a culture where everyone is speaking, but no one's really saying anything. And because there's more noise now more than ever, it seems like it's hard to listen to anything. As a matter of fact, that's why one of the biggest hashtags we have today is fake news. Because it's hard to know what to trust. It's hard to know what to listen to. But here's one of the things that the Bible shows us, is that of all things we can listen to, we can listen to God's Word. Because this is how God has always been speaking. And even before we had the completion of the Scriptures, God was still speaking through His prophets. And what God has been wanting to do, how he's been wanting to help his people is that he's been sending people to speak on his behalf, because when we listen to the Lord, it leads to a good life. That would be the central truth for us tonight. Listening to the Lord leads to a good life. So go back to verse 15. We need to look at three different questions. How does God speak to us? Who does God speak to us and what does God speak to us? So first, how does God speak to us? We see there, it says, the Lord, your God, as Moses is, he's the one who's saying this, the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Here's what's happening in the book of Deuteronomy. So we're finishing up the first five books of the Old Testament and Moses is getting towards the end of his life. And so he's giving his last words. And if you remember, what are the people of Israel? Where are they going? They're going into the promised land. And when they're in the promised land, they're going to be surrounded by a lot of different nations, a lot of different people groups, and a lot of people who are trying to say a lot of different things. So the question is, who can they trust? Who can they listen to? What can they hold on to? Well, that's what Moses is trying to give them hope for. And he's saying, look, as I spoke on behalf of God to you, and just think about everything that happened on Mount Sinai, As I spoke on God's behalf to you, God's going to continue to raise up prophets for you so that he might speak to you. But here's what's going to happen. There's going to be one great prophet who's going to eventually come. Who's going to be greater than all the other prophets. He's going to be a greater me. And he's going to proclaim to you. And it's him you ultimately need to listen to. Matter of fact, every other prophet that will come until he comes, they're all going to be pointing to him. That's what Moses is trying to say. The role of the prophet was a very, very big role for the people of Israel. And as I mentioned earlier, there was those three offices uh, of prophet, priest, and king. And spoiler alert, as we're going to be seeing, is that all three of these will be fulfilled in Jesus. Um, Israel would have to give an account to the Lord based on their response to this prophet. So it wasn't as if it was just like somebody coming to give like a 15 minute TED talk like every week or something like that. And you could just take it or leave. It It didn't really matter. No, no. The role of the prophet was someone who had God's authority. And as that person would speak God's words, the people of Israel had to accept them or else. That's what a prophet was. And it's actually interesting because in the section uh, right above this, one of the reasons why the Lord was going to give them a prophet was because here were some of the practices of cultures around them. There was child sacrifice, there was sorcery, there was interpreting omens, there was witchcraft, there was casting spells, and there was just godless spirituality. Matter of fact, I think in some ways we can see uh, a, a good parallel from this godless spirituality back then to this idea today where we say, well, I love to be spiritual, but I'm not religious. I love to be spiritual, but I'm not about God. I just try to get in my feels, as it were. Here's what one person has said about our age today. That our spiritual condition today is one of spiritual ADD. Who suffers from ADD right now? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But I think that's a very good description, isn't it? Spiritual ADD. We're constantly distracted, as you might have been right now, and chasing down that rabbit for you know, wherever it's going in your mind. And so because we're distracted, God wants to send us a prophet to say, here's what you can know is true. So God has been speaking through the prophets. And here's what he says. Um, he says, once again, oh, excuse me, I, I lost my place. Uh, look at verse 16. Just as you desired of the Lord, your God, at Mount Horrible on the day of the assembly, when you said to me, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord, my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. So, verse eighteen. Here's what God's going to do: I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among the, from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth. Here's what's really important about this: God's telling the people of Israel, like, look, you don't have to like go out and try to find yourself, and like you know, move to a different state or move to a different country, country, and go on the spiritual journey to just find yourself. The words of essentially, as God is saying, my words are going to find you. You don't have to go make up your own truth. You don't have to write your own truth. I'm going to give it to you. And the prophet who speaks is going to speak my words and nothing but my words. The prophet is God's mouthpiece. And here's the question. Why did they need prophets? Well, as I just mentioned, one of the biggest temptations in every single age is to try to come up with our truth. We're still trying to do that today. It's it's nothing new. This whole idea of that's your truth and this is our truth. It might be maybe a little particular for us, but it's the same principle that has always been happening of cultures and peoples trying to find what the truth is. Here's what God is saying. God is saying, I'm going to give it to you. Don't try to go and find it elsewhere. Just listen to it. And so God He wants us to hear the truth. And matter of fact, here's actually also an instance how we can see God's wrath at work in societies is whenever God's word is not proclaimed. Actually, as you read the Old Testament, you would actually see that the society of Israel would get worse and worse and worse because they would less and less and less hear his word. And matter of fact, the times of revival and renewal would happen when all of a sudden, as, as one king, uh, had someone come up to him and they said, say, hey, we found this really crazy book. And it was the Scriptures. And as they dove into that, God renewed them. And so one of the ways in which we see God's wrath is whenever His truth is not proclaimed. He wants to save us from ourselves trying to be our own truth. You see, even when you go to the end of the Old Testament you will see this, uh, before you get to the book of Matthew, your Bible should have like a blank page or a gap there. And it's to symbolize that there was a time period of 400 years. It's a long time. It's older than America. Uh, 400 years where, uh, where God was not speaking through a prophet. It was a time when God was silent. You see, they had many false prophets back then and, we even have false prophets today, too. i heard I hearing one pastor say, uh, y'all, y'all have often heard, you ever heard when someone's going to predict the last day of earth? Here's when the earth is going to end. Here's where Jesus is going to return. Here's what one pastor once said. Whenever he hears anyone proclaiming that on March 10th, 2024, this is the day Jesus is going to return, here's what he does. He goes on a date with his wife. He schedules all the fun stuff he wants to do because he knows without a shadow of a doubt that is not when Jesus is going to return. Because Jesus himself said, no one knows except the Father in heaven. So, when you hear someone say that, schedule all the fun things you want to do. Because you can know he's not returning that day. People try to do this all the time. They try to manipulate God's word. But God has given us his word. He speaks to us through the prophets that are ultimately leading to the great prophet. You see, here's how kind of the cycle, if I can kind of summarize it. Here's how it happens is that first God speaks his word through the prophet. And then they would, as we see here, they would begin to record the words of God. And then in those societies, because they didn't have the printing press back then, spoiler alert, um, what they would do is they were a community of people who memorized the word. They spoke the word, they recorded the word, and they memorized the word. Here's actually... A guy named Joshua Fowler. uh maybe some of you have read this book, it's called Moonwalking with Einstein, and it's a book about a journalist who discovers that there's something called the U.S. Memory Championships in today's world, and uh, he begins to meet these guys who had these phenomenal memories, and they begin to teach him how to do it. Well, as he's interviewing these people, this is what one guy says about how ethical a good memory used to be. Once upon a time, remembering was everything. A trained memory was not just a handy tool, but a fundamental facet of any worldly mind. What's more, memory training was, uh, was considered a form of character building, a way of developing the cardinal virtue of prudence and, by extension, ethics. Let me summarize that. Here's what he's saying. A good memory showed good ethics. That if you wanted to be someone who was good, then you had a good memory. That's actually also one of the fundamental reasons why we can trust scriptures being handed down over and over and over and over. Because in that community, when you had to memorize the word of God and you had to know it, if you not be trusted by your memory, you were known as an unethical person. You see that? The memory was huge. And so God was constantly speaking to his people and repeating his words so that they could know it, so that they could memorize it. So here's what we can say in conclusion about the prophets in the Old Testament. Here's one guy, Michael J. Williams, says that prophets, they represented God verbally, behaviorally, effectively, and completely. In other words, God's way of speaking to his people was through the prophets, and they spoke his truths to those people So comprende, makes sense? Awesome. Clear as mud, right? Listening to the Lord leads to a good life. That's how God speaks to us. But now we know that this does not merely stay here. This is not just stay in the Old Testament. It's leading us somewhere. God not only speaks to us by prophets, but He speaks to us through, ultimately, a prophet. Who does God speak to us? Now, that might sound like a weird question. Who does God speak to us? Not what does God speak to us, or not even through whom does God speak to us. Who does God speak to us? You see, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and verse 14, it says this, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, here's, what, here's how it's describing Jesus. Here's how it's describing the Son of God. He is the Word. The Father, now watch this. The Father, the first person of the Trinity, has always been speaking the Son. There has never been a time when God was not speaking. Even before all of creation, the Father has always been a speaking God because the Father has never been without the Son. The Son never came into existence He has always been. And because of that, here's what one author says, a guy named Matthew Barrett, that the word was worded by the father from all eternity. And that means that at the proper time, the word can become incarnate to reveal the father to us in history. In other words, this, that for all eternity, the father has been speaking. He's been speaking the son. And because he's always been doing that, There's going to be a point when the Son, when the Word, would be spoken into union with humanity. You see that? That's crazy. So with these these prophets in the Old Testament, it has always been leading to when God would ultimately speak. And He would speak through Jesus Christ. And as Jesus was speaking as he was preaching, here's what some people would say about him in John chapter 6, verse 14. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. So in other words, Jesus was such a mighty speaker. He was such a mighty prophet. And when he did the miracles that essentially endorsed his message, people realized, whoa, this is who we've been waiting for. This is who Moses talked about. This is the one who's going to show us who God ultimately is. And that's why it says again in John chapter 7 verse 40. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Here's what Alistair Begg and Sinclair Ferguson say. God put his words into Jesus' mouth. Jesus reveals everything his father has commanded him. Even when, think about this. When Jesus, remember who is the Word, he goes in Matthew Matthew chapters five through seven. He goes up onto a mountain and he speaks to God's people. Does that sound familiar? Moses, the great prophet, going up on Mount Sinai to speak to God's people. And what was the Sermon on the Mount? The Sermon on the Mount was Jesus explaining the Ten Commandments. Do you see what Jesus is doing? Jesus is saying, I am the great prophet. I am the the one who is greater than Moses. I am the one that that you have always been waiting for. And at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7, verses 28 through 29, it says this. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority. In other words... They recognized that there was something great to the words of Jesus. They realized that this is not just like the everyday scribe and and speaker today. Jesus is something much more important. Even when we looked at this in the fall, we looked at how Jesus was transfigured on the mountain and remember when Jesus is revealing his glory to Peter, James, and John? Do you remember the two people who appeared with him on that mountain? Elijah and Moses. And do you remember what the Lord said out of the cloud? He said, This is my son. Mark chapter 9, verse 7. This is my son. Listen to him. Let me read to you again Deuteronomy, verse 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. Listen to this. It is to him you shall listen. What God is saying before Peter, James, and John as Moses and Jesus and Elijah are up on the mountain. Here's what God's saying to Peter, James, and John. Moses and Elijah are great. But it's ultimately all about Jesus. It's all been leading up to him. He's the one you need to listen to. Of all the other voices that you hear, of all the other things that you're tempted to turn to, listen to Jesus. Peter even is proclaiming that as Aidan read in Acts chapter 3. And he says in Acts chapter 3 verse 22, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And what Peter is telling these people, he's saying, look, Jesus is that prophet. Um, It's kind of getting like the Sunday school answer where we just say Jesus is the answer, right? But it is true. You see, that's what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter one, verses one through two. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers By the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by what? His Son. Here's what this means about Jesus Jesus is the one who speaks true truth. Jesus does not give fake news. Jesus is not only the truth, but everything he speaks is truth. He is the ultimate prophet. Jesus is the one who ultimately, clearly reveals the Father. Jesus is God's authority. In other words, what Jesus says goes. What he says is the ultimate authority. We can't just take some words of Jesus in like the Thomas Jefferson Bible where we just cut out the portions we don't like. We can't just take some words and not all the words. And by the way, Jesus will also give authority to the rest of the Bible, too. So, in other words, we have to take the whole Bible or none of it. Jesus' words, they describe reality, but they don't just describe reality, they determine reality. So, even as we talked about not too long ago at uh, one of our guys' nights, and we we're talking about Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. And you remember the sinful woman crashes the dinner party. And what does Jesus do? He forgives her. And as Jesus forgives her, his words of forgiveness doesn't just describe her. It determines her reality. It makes reality. As God spoke all things into existence out of nothing, when he just said, let there be light. Yes, with that sound effect. You know, I'm just watching too many kids movies with knocks. As God can speak all things into existence merely by his words, so he speaks spiritual life into existence in your heart. That's what it means that Jesus is the prophet. And as the prophet, as God tells his people in Deuteronomy 18, based on your response to him, that's how I will deal with you. Here's the question for you tonight. How have you responded to Jesus's words? Because that is how God will judge you and me. And if you've received Jesus' words, not because of how good you are or or you could eventually be this, but merely your response to Jesus' words. Do you believe his promises? God will deal with you graciously. But if you don't, it doesn't matter how good you try to be. Because he is the one who's speaking God's truth. Now here's what makes this amazing. Here's the point that I'm trying to build up to. Not only was Jesus the great prophet to come, but now everyone who comes after Jesus is merely repeating his words. There was a unique office that ended with these men. They were the apostles. And it ended with them. And they also, they spoke God's word and they wrote God's word. And now the office of pastor. We take those words and we give that to you. That's what I'm called to do. Is to take Jesus' words because he is still speaking today and saying, Look, I'm not going to give you my message. I want to give you Jesus' message. That's actually what makes a faithful and good pastor and preacher. And if I can say this, what is good preaching? Good preaching is not always just good speaking. There's a lot of very good speakers out there who can quote a lot of scripture and can talk a lot about Jesus and they can be false prophets. The question is, are we faithful to Jesus's words? That's the whole point. It's not as if this, that every Wednesday I look at the text and I say, now what is my message to these RUF students? That's not it. What my job is, and even as you lead Bible studies, what your job is is to think, What is Jesus' message, and how can I take that message like a waiter in a restaurant and take that dish and deliver it to them? That's what we do. It's Jesus speaking, because it's Jesus' ministry, because Jesus wants you to know the truth. So it makes it amazing. You see, here's what one of my good friends, Benjamin Glad, says, The success of Jesus as the perfect prophet It created a new a new humanity. And this new humanity is to embody God's law and communicate it to other people. Here's what it means if you're a Christian. You are now essentially as it were, because you're united to Jesus, you go out and speak God's words. As you are united to the ultimate prophet, you go out and you proclaim his words because he is speaking through you. That's why actually in Romans 10 verse 14, it says this, and how are they to believe in him? Now in the English translation, you'll see, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? You see that up there. Uh, How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Here's actually what it literally says in the Greek. How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? You do do hear of Jesus as we proclaim him. But actually, literally in the Greek, it is saying that through the preaching, through the faithful preaching of the word, you hear him. The question is this. Do you hear him? That's what happens every Wednesday night. That's what happens every Sunday morning. That's what happens in every Bible study when it's true to God's word. Jesus speaks. Amen. That's amazing. Do you know how much hope that can give you when you're just really struggling to believe? Do you know how much hope that can give you when you just don't feel very close to God and you're just trying anything it takes just to to get closer and just to believe His truth? You can walk in no matter what's happening in your life and you can say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know He's going to speak to me. That's what we want. Matter of fact, it's His words They don't just describe your reality, but determine it. It's amazing. See, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, it says, All Scripture is what? Breathed out by God. And so it means that as a second Helvetic confession, doesn't that sound interesting? Uh, Here's what they say about preaching. Wherefore, when this Word of God is now preached in the church by preachers lawfully called... We believe that the very word of God is proclaimed. Here's what Paul says. And think about about how crazy this is. Here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And we also thank God constantly for this. Here's what it is. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us. so, So people preaching and proclaiming God's word. When you received it, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. You see what Paul's saying? That when the word of God is proclaimed, you can accept it and say, that is God speaking, not literally like in me. Don't do that. <laughs> That'd be wrong. But when you hear it faithfully proclaimed through the word, through whoever's preaching, you can say, God's speaking to me. It's amazing. And it also means that whenever we reject the Bible, it means we reject God. It means that we don't need to look for any new words and we don't need to listen to people if they come up to us and say, hey, I have a word from the Lord for you. No, no, no. Um, We got those. We got those already. We don't need anything new. As a matter of fact, if anyone comes speaking to us saying that they have a word from the Lord for us and it doesn't match up to this, then we shouldn't listen to it. And if it does match up to it, then why do we need to listen to them? Because it's already here. This is God's truth. This is how he speaks. He is still speaking to us, but he's speaking through this. Here's what Donald McCullough says. When the gospel is preached, Christ walks among his people. It's the miracle of Christmas all over again. Christ clothed himself in humanity, spurning the language of angels to speak with tongues of mortals. And what he's saying is this. Every time you hear the word proclaimed, it's like Christmas all over again because Jesus is there. Here's what another guy named Fred Craddock says. Remember that preaching is not simply talking about Christian subjects, but is itself a Christian act. Here's why I love that quote. It's because as the Father has always been a speaking God, He is still a speaking God. Come on now. Isn't that good news whenever you're struggling to believe you really are forgiven? Isn't that good news when you struggle to to just get rid of the shame that you've been dealing with from the weekend before and you're trying to look to the promises of Jesus, you're trying to look for the hope of transformation, or you're trying to think that I don't know how, but somehow he has said that all these wrongs will be made right. Isn't it amazing that you can say, I will trust that word rather than just my emotions? You see... We're often misled by so many other things, and we want to know what can we stand on. You see, that's why I love that no matter where I go, when someone stands up on a Sunday morning and I come in, and it's just so hard just to focus because Knox is all crazy, or it just was not a good morning trying to get him ready, or whatever it is, or just to sin in my own heart, I can know that if it's here, I can hold on to it. That means we don't need to treat the Bible like it's just the terms and conditions uh, of something we want to buy. And we just scroll down as quick as we can to the bottom and just click it and say, yes, I have read that. <laughs> or we don't just treat the Bible like it's uh, we missed a lot of our name messages. And you just say, I just need to get the blue dot out the way. So I'll just scroll to the bottom and act like I read it. No, it means we can be like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, when it says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Listen to this they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. That's what we can do. I hope I've been kind of like building my point up, but you see what I'm trying to say. You see what scripture is trying to say here, right? God's speaking to you. He's always been speaking. Here's how he's doing it. That's how much God loves you. That's what's amazing about something like a campus ministry and all the other campus ministries that are at OSU. When we faithfully proclaim God's word and when we bring those students in, they hear God. They don't just hear just whatever we want to come up with. Listening to the Lord leads to a good life. That is who God speaks to us. Now, what does God speak to us? Here's what he does not speak to us. You see, what some theologians have called is the unholy trinity. The world, the flesh, and the devil. You are attacked by all three, the world, the flesh, and the devil, all three at the same time. Some more than others. In some ways, you go through different seasons, but all three are always attacking you all the time. All three are always trying to speak to you lies all the time. The world, now here's what we want to say about the world. Here's what we don't want to say. Everything that's out there, everything that the world says is bad. It's us versus the world. That's not what we're saying. We believe in common grace. But we do need to realize that even though there is common grace out there, and there can be truths that are spoken, it's not the fullness of the truth. And it can often be watered down from what the full truth is, or it can actually bring uh, things that contradict God's word in it. You see, everything that is true in the world is also mixed with untruth. You see, when we look at things, and I'm not saying these are bad. Please don't hear me say that. But when we look at things like social media and the news and entertainment or just hearsay, and whatever we're hearing from these different outlets, we need to learn to discern what is true. We need to realize that we can't just take everything hook, line, sinker and say Well, because it's on the internet, it must be true. We need to learn that the world is not always and only speaking the truth to us, but God's word is. So it doesn't match up with God's word. The flesh is also speaking to us a lot of untruth, a lot of lies. You see, our emotions are good, but they are fallen. Fallen. Our emotions are not pure and perfect. They don't always tell us the right story because our emotions are also affected by the fall. Jesus himself must also have perfect emotions to save us from our fallen emotions. And so in our day and age, We need to learn that our emotions are not always telling us the truth. Our heart is not always telling us the truth. And so we need to actually learn to speak back to our emotions many times. It's not always telling us the truth. Our sinful nature within is definitely not always telling us the truth. Our sinful desires are not always truthful, which is why we try to say, no, Disney, do not follow your heart. Don't do it. The devil is the third part of the unholy trinity, and he is always, as in Genesis 3, verse 1, saying, did God actually say? You see, Satan loves to put a question mark where God puts a period. Do you hear that? He loves to put a question mark where God put a period. He loves to water down the word, and then he loves to add to the word, and then he loves to outright deny the word. See, he loves to lie about who God is, who you are, what sin is, what grace is, how life is meant to be lived, or even things like ethics. And here's the thing about Satan. He's subtle. He's crafty. And he can quote a lot of Scripture. And if he'll quote Scripture to Jesus, he will quote Scripture to you. Satan is a better theologian than you and I are. He knows more truth than, than, than we do. But he loves to take it out of context. We have to learn to listen to Jesus and people who are faithful to Jesus. You see what's happening here? You see, here's what God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us truth about himself. He's showing us that he is our father, that he is the creator. He is the provider. He is the sovereign. He is the judge and he is the redeemer. He's showing to us that he is holy, that he is loving, that he is infinite, he is eternal, and he is good. He really is. You see, that means we need to make sure we don't make God in our image, but we need to realize we were made in his image. And that's one of the other truths he speaks to us. He speaks to us truth about who we are. You would think that maybe we would be a lot better that knowing we were made by God, that we would listen to God. But we're not. Spoiler alert. God also speaks to us about what sin really is. And we see that in Romans 3 and so many other books of the Bible. And here's what we learn is that the heart of the problem today is the problem of of our hearts. The heart of the problem today is the problem of our hearts. That's what the Bible says about sin. If you go to the moon with Elon Musk, do you know what's going to follow you? Your own sinful heart. When we try to start a utopia, no matter where it is, sin invades because we go there. Here's what one author says. We push to the front of the line and we walk right up and we present ourselves to Jesus as one who needs only the smallest amount of grace. And our list of sins is short and none of them are really bad ones. It's as if to say, well, Jesus, just top us off. We've done pretty well. We only require a little bit of forgiveness. But the Bible says we're way worse sinners than that. As another author says, for when we come face to face with sin, we don't need advice. We need forgiveness. And that's also the truth that God speaks to us. He shows us what grace really is. John the Baptist says in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That really is true for you. Jesus really does take away your sins when you run to Him. We also read in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, where it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And here's the thing Jesus is so serious about that. That's one of the best messages that can be proclaimed in a college campus that Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart for you. The promise is even true in 1 John verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, where it says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The world can't make up this message. We can't make up this message, but God says it's true. And this is one thing that you need to learn how to tell your emotions to say, even when I still feel the lingering shame, but when I've brought this to Jesus, I need to trust this is my reality. Amen? That's an amazing truth. Once again, an author named Daniel Emery Price says, Jesus comes to give. Jesus comes to serve. He comes to forgive unspeakable sins, sins that shock us when they invade the safe place of our clean lives. Does our ministry ever shock people? Because that's what Jesus does. That's what his word says. Jesus' words show us how to live the Christian life that we can have a new existence and that we're new creatures. He doesn't just meet us where we are, but he, he brings us beyond that, past that. He is really working in us. We see in God's Word in Revelation 21 and 22 that God will make all things new. God's Word also tells us that we can understand what true ethics are and what a real worldview is. Colossians 2 verse 8 says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. In all of your classes and everything that you're learning, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, he says, take every thought captive. Don't be led astray. Hang on to the word. We could just keep going on and on and on, but here's what we need to say. The job market tells you to do, but the gospel says done. Social media says be, but the gospel says believe. The news will often tell you to fear, but the gospel says have faith. And your emotions will often tell you to only despair, but the gospel says you have hope. We need to learn to listen well. See, Tim Keller was once asked on Twitter, why do you think young Christian adults struggle most deeply with God as a personal reality in their lives? Y'all, y'all also struggle with having God as a personal reality in your lives? That's a very relevant question. Here's what he says. Noise and distraction. It is easier to tweet than it is to pray. There's so many things that are being said in today's world. And as a community of believers, we need to help each other listen to what's true. Because listening to the Lord leads to a good life. A recent article in the Wall Street Journal says this. When the pandemic struck in March of 2020, the human world went quiet. Using sensitive sound level analyzers is actually really fascinating. Using sensitive sound analyzers, scientists from every continent confirmed a reduction in human-created sound levels. And in some cities, by as much as seven decibels. In other words, this translates into about uh, one-fifth of things being as loud as they were before. Think about that. During the pandemic, the noise level was one-fifth compared to what it used to be. So quiet things were. They say this, the hearing brain is vast. It engages how we think, how we feel, how we move, and how we interpret our other senses. Not only does it shape our health, but it is deeply involved in forming memories and contributes in no small way to making us who we are. She goes on to say, no one wishes to endure another pandemic, but listen to this, but the silence of what they call the anthropos and the lessons of auditory neuroscience should remind us of the importance of distinguishing, here it is, distinguishing what matters from clamor of that that doesn't at all. You see, what we need to learn today is think, what is clamor? What is just noise? What is distraction versus what is true? And what God's word is saying, this is what's true. This is who you can listen to. And the message for you tonight is this. You can listen to Jesus because he loves you. And he's ready to bestow infinite grace upon you. All you need to do is just respond to him. And you don't respond by being enough. You just say, he's right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of listening to you that leads to a good life. And we're asking that we would listen to you and your words more, especially in an age that is always trying trying to steal that attention from you, and trying to take our ears away from you to itself. And we just want to know what's true. We just want to know what we can trust. Help us. Help us to trust your promises. And may we come alive as we trust those promises. And may we show those to other people. We ask all this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.